Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Hey, didn't Paul do a great job last week if you were here? Yeah, what a great guy. What a great guy. Well, we're going to talk about Pentecost today and uh, pretend I have an hour and a half. I only have 33 minutes. So another miracle for you, right? What would your life be like? What would it look like if you were the man, the woman, the young lady, the young man that was fully empowered by the Holy Spirit? That you allowed God to fill your life beyond your fears, beyond your chaos, Anything that's unstable right now, things that are going on in your life, you go, man, this just doesn't feel right. If God could bring something that was solid to you by the power of the Spirit, what kind of husband would you be, guys, if your life was guided and directed and led by the Holy Spirit? What kind of wife would you be, ladies, if the Holy Spirit was the first person you called on in the morning? Fill me, Holy Spirit. I don't want to take a step throughout this day without you. And what happens when the Holy Spirit comes is he always brings Jesus. Remember, there's one thing about Jesus when he was on the planet. While God was omnipresent, Jesus was not omnipresent in the flesh. He couldn't be in Judea and Jerusalem and Samaria all at the same time. So what he did is he said, it's important that I leave because if I leave, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll bring everything that's Jesus. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll bring everything that's God the Father. So the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that's Trinity preaching, by the way. The triune God fills us when we allow the Holy Spirit to empower us. Now, somebody asked me this week, they saw that Pentecost was coming, and they said, well, do we have to wait to get the Holy Spirit? No, you can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, look it up. The Bible says that no one can even say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. But then there is a time, and sometimes I believe it's this way, it's a daily filling where the Holy Spirit fills us afresh. Our tanks get low. Have you noticed? We can be all like, oh, I'm going to go love the world. And all of a sudden we start loving the world. The world gets a little difficult. People around us get difficult. Sometimes we're difficult to ourselves, and our tank begins to grow empty, and we start running on fumes, or that old song, running on empty. Anyway, I'll refrain from singing. And God needs to fill us again. Pentecost celebrates the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but it's not really the whole story. In, In fact, the beginning of the story happens in the beginning. It's Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Long before people are on the scene. The Bible simply says the world was soupy and murky because the Holy Spirit, it says, came and dwelt on or overshadowed or moved upon the face of the, what? The waters. Things were fluid. But he came to hover to bring something that was solid to solidify what God was doing in creation. The Spirit of God, the birth of creation, he hovers over an expectant earth, kind of like an eagle hovering over. And you know what God does for us? He hovers over our lives. 
I believe that God was hovering over you while you were sleeping by the Holy Spirit. How, how romantic. God was watching you sleep. Come on. Come on. And today is Pentecost. It's a reminder that he is hovering. It's a reminder that what we think is murky or soupy or has no hope can somehow be changed dramatically by the work of the Lord. So before we had this Acts 2 explosion where the Holy Spirit descends on a group of followers of Jesus in the upper room, or as some Bibles say, Solomon's porch, Solomon's portico, we find the disciples in John chapter 20 are locked in a room afraid for their lives. Just think about this. The answer for evangelism, the answer for people hearing about Jesus was locked inside the disciples. He said, you go into all the world and preach the gospel. You let every creature know. And guess what they're doing? They're locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Here's the story. They thought that because Jesus was crucified, they too would be crucified or martyred for being followers of him. The only light coming into the room was through the gaps in the slats of the primitive little building they were in. Dirt on the floor, hay on the floor. And every time they heard the sound of feet outside, the talking of people, they huddled in the corner for fear that they would die. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. Now, the Bible doesn't record that they unlocked the deadbolt. They turned off the alarm system. It doesn't say any of that. It just says that Jesus came and stood among them. I love that. I think, it's just my opinion. You can have your opinion. You can agree with me or disagree. You have the right to do that. I just think Jesus just showed up. Now, some people say, well, if he walked in that way, he was a spirit. No, he wasn't. Because later he shows them his hands and his side to this group, and later to doubting Thomas, he says, Thomas, you take your finger and put it in my nail-pierced hands. So you couldn't touch him if he was spirit. Jesus shows up, and here's what he says. Peace, come on. Peace. Oh, peace be with you. Wouldn't you want him to tell you that? Well, here we are for fear of our lives, and all of a sudden, Jesus is standing there. And, and here's the modern-day version. Hey, everybody, what's up? <laughs> no, he comes in and says, peace be to you, because he knew of their fear. And after this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, he says, peace be with you. Oh, you know why? Because he's about to tell them something that's going to freak them out. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. No, Lord, they replied. Well, this is my version. No, Lord, they replied. We had a committee vote, and we decided we're going to stay here till we die. And we know that the Jews crucified you. We're afraid that if we leave this place, they'll crucify us. And what's the first thing that Jesus says to them? Get up and get going. Get up and get moving. Get rid of your fear. Don't let apathy become a part of your life. You get up and you get going. And then he says this to them, receive the... Holy Spirit, if you forgive anyone's sins and their sins are forgiven, if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And he tells them to receive the Holy Spirit right after he breathes on them. Oh, when he breathed on them, there was a connection in their lives, a connection to history. 
We'll talk about that in just a second. But there's two words that emerge out of John 20. It's the word breathed and it's the word forgiven. He is forgiving them because of their fear. Previously, they would uh, see him do miracles and he would often say, oh ye of little, little, little faith, but it's the opposite of fear. Or he would say, fear not. The Lord is with you wherever you go. But now they're afraid he forgives them because of their fear. By the way, here's what I believe about Pentecost. If you are living anywhere in fear in your life, Jesus wants to come and invade your fear. He wants to come and stand in the midst of your circumstance that's maybe beyond your control or your situation that's overwhelming. As we were worshiping, I was wondering how many of you in this room are facing overwhelming odds, overwhelming fatigue. Maybe you're just you're looking at something, it's just so dark, and you got it together enough to come to church today. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Or you're watching online. By the way, there's a gentleman, I, I, I'm allowed to share this much of his story. He can't do crowds. He, he, he can't, he, he just likes to be isolated at home. But he's been watching us online lately. And I heard about the story, I was blown away. That just through technology and our team in the back here who's sending out the message, he might be even watching this service. If it's you, man, I love you. I, I got enough permission to share his story. He said, I, I have such, such fear and depression and anxiety in my life. I can't, I can't go out. But I heard about your church, and I watch you guys. On, I mean, come on. Isn't that good? But you know what I want to say to him? And I'd say it to anybody else here. Jesus walks in the midst of our fear in the mix of our anxiety, in the midst of our depression, the Holy Spirit hovers over our life and says, I don't want you to be alone. I want you to know that I'm with you. I want, I want to breathe on you. I want to forgive you. I want to empower you. And here's the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Peace be with you. And it's not just me saying it. It's not just some greeting in church. Peace be with you. Also with you. What's for lunch? No, it's Jesus speaking into your soul today. I hope you hear him. Peace be with you. Well, what is, what is peace, Lord? Jesus says, I am peace. The prince of, of peace. In other words, he controls peace. The Holy Spirit, he empowers peace. And I believe that Jesus wants to bring peace to people who are living in the midst of fear. And so if that's you, and it's the only thing you hear me say, fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of sharing our faith, fear of God using you, Fear that you won't amount to anything. Fear is, as the song says, a liar. It distorts, it distracts, it disconnects us from God's best for our life. And here's what they do. They need the breath of God. The Hebrew word for breath is ruach, spirit, breath. It, it literally means that God is, is moving or air in motion. That's where we get the, the, the translation for spirit. It's from air in motion that God is moving. And then... In Genesis, not only does the Holy Spirit hover upon the face of the deep, God speaks these words, let there be, does anybody remember? Let there be light. And the only way his voice could work is because of breath. That's how we speak, because there's air behind our voice box, behind our, 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 our larynx, behind our vocal cords. There has to be air that pushes out the sound that I'm making even now. And God is speaking with breath. Let there be light. 
and there was light. And this is also cool because I love creation. I love the story of creation. When he said, let there be light, Jesus is called the, the light of the world. And so he's actually speaking his son out of, out of his mouth. He said, Jesus, you go be light to the world that has no light. You go be light in the darkness. You bring peace. You bring the power of the Spirit. And the New Testament, it's the word, of course, uh, pneuma, where we get pneumatic from. It's the, the, the breath and the power of, of air in the moment. And, and God is breathing. You remember back when God created Adam? He took the dirt and he put two little holes in it. And he breathed into it. And the clay became a man. The breath of life. In Ezekiel, Israel is far from God like a valley full of dry bones. And Ezekiel is, is, is told to prophesy to the bones that they will rise up. But still God wanted them to be his people and close to them. And so it says in Ezekiel 37, 6, I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. And I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am God. God is all about his breath being upon us, his life being upon us. And to these fearful disciples in John 20, he breathes on them. They knew about Adam. They knew about Ezekiel. They knew about God's breath for life. And later, Paul would tell Timothy, his son in the faith, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is, is God breathed. So every word that we read, when we read the word of God, it's not just old words on a page. God breathed into the writers. God allowed John, and later we'll see Dr. Luke, to record what happened in the book of Acts, and God breathed upon them as they wrote. So every time we read this word, and I hope and pray you read it daily, 18% of American Christians do. You're in the 18%, right? All of you? Yeah. If you don't have a, a Bible bookmark, go to the guest services and get one. It's free, and you can read the same passage that many in our church read, including myself. That this word comes from there to here and then to now, and God breathes it to us afresh as we read it. That's why this is different than a book about history or a book about the Bible. The Bible is God-breathed, and it makes a radical difference in our lives. See, followers of Jesus are meant to live in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Somebody said to me recently, well, Pastor, uh, I read a, a, a Bible theologian, and he said, all the gifts of the Spirit died with the apostles. Wow. And I, I wanted to say, well, well, you could have that stance. You're allowed to have that stance. But why would Jesus say, receive the Holy Spirit? And when he says receive, that's not a present tense word. That's a word that is active. In other words, always receive the Holy Spirit. So who am I to dictate to the Holy Spirit what he gets to do when he fills me? I'm not God. I wouldn't even make a good pope. Come on. Well, the Holy Spirit fills you and empowers you and gives you wisdom. What a gift. The Holy Spirit empowers you in a moment. You pray with a friend, and all of a sudden you sense the presence of God in your midst, and something happens. Maybe there's a healing that takes place. Maybe there's a deliverance that takes place. Maybe there's just a sense 
of the peace of God. My peace I give to you. And as you're praying with your friend, you sense the peace of God. It's not something you conjured up, but it was what the Holy Spirit did. Who wants to limit the Holy Spirit? Who wants to limit God and what he can do in us and through us and for us and around us? Here's what I know about Santa Barbara County, and it's what you know too. There are broken people on every corner. There are broken people in every condo complex, apartment complex. There are broken people living down in our riverbed. Lots of people are down there again. There are broken people behind limos. There are broken people by Mervyn's. There are broken people at Taco Bell. There are broken people who today will go to Floriano's or Blaze Pizza. They might look all cool in that Blaze Pizza room, drinking their little stuff, whatever. They, they got all kinds of drinks all the time. They change, change their drinks. I, I go there on occasion. One of, our, one of our guys is a the manager there, so I, I go there. I get a little extra cheese, you know. And people look all together. I, I, I've, I've seen people on the hilltop. I've seen people down in the valley. Here's what I know about people. They're broken. They're broken. Some of you are in law enforcement. You understand. There's broken people. There are people dealing with drug addictions and, and, and mental health issues that are beyond our imagination. And you know what they all need? They all need one thing. Besides help, besides a handout, besides a hot meal that we serve on Monday nights, they need to know the presence of God, however they can know him. People with special needs, people with learning disabilities, everybody needs Jesus. And there are some who say, well, I don't know, you know, the Holy Spirit, we got to limit. I don't want to limit the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to empower LFC to show us our future, to give us vision, to give us a heartbeat that maybe we've never even had before. I've been asking the Lord for this. Holy Spirit, fill us. Fill our leaders. Fill our congregation. Help us to be people that receive your peace and your grace. Receive the Holy Spirit. But here's what the guys voted for, the disciples. They're in that locked room, and they say, Jesus, we had a vote. We're not going. And Jesus said, tag, you're it. You're all I got. You're all I got. But Lord, we want to be in the game, but not today. <laughs> and then he says, Acts 1-4. Okay, I know you're afraid, so don't you dare leave Jerusalem. Ah, good. We could stay here. We're comfortable. We're complacent in Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised you which you have heard me speak about. What is the gift? It's the Holy Spirit. Because he goes on to say in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Oh, Lord, are you kidding me? You know what witnesses do, right? They tell what they saw. They tell what they experienced. They tell what they know. And here's what I know. Jesus wants you to be his witnesses. Oh, Pastor B, that's your job. I'm just one guy. Look how many of there are, there are here. And then we have another service behind you. And we had one in front of you. And we have people in the cafe sipping those $2 lattes. And we have people watching online. We are called to be as witnesses. I didn't make this up. He said it. And you go to Jerusalem. That's where they lived. You go to Judea. That's Santa Barbara County. You go to Samaria. Guess where that is? That's California, baby. And you go to the ends of the earth, that's the world. And we got Scott and Kirsten. They're, they're leaving our Jerusalem. They're leaving our Judea. They're going to our Samaria. 
That's good. We have missionaries now in Boise. Hey, isn't that great? If you ever go to Boise, go call them up, stay at their house. All of you should go at the same time. Yeah. To the ends of the earth. Can you imagine speaking to fearful people? Their knees are knocking. They're locked in a room. And he says, you guys are going to go around the world with the gospel. You're going to tell people about me. You're going to be my, my witnesses. See, everywhere you go this week, you should write this down somewhere. Everywhere I go this week is someplace Jesus wants to be. Come on. You walk in City Hall. You walk in the police station. You walk in the, in, in the county jail. You walk on the Air Force Base. You, 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 you commute down to Goliath and Santa Barbara. You commute to Santa Maria for work. You go to school. Oh, wait a minute. You're out of school. Oh, gee. Yeah. You're a nuisance to your parents because you got nothing to do. You're bored. I had one parent tell me my kid's bored already. They got out of school on Thursday. They're already bored. God bless you. Jesus says, you will be the evidence. That's the word in the Greek. The evidence. You'll be the eyewitnesses, the heart witnesses. When you have the opportunity to love and serve and be generous, you step into the place of being the evidence that there's a God. When you lead someone to God by grace and you're gracious, you're more evidence. When a parent sees another parent having trouble with their children and says, is there something I can do to help you or support you? Is there a need you have that I can meet? When you sacrifice your schedule, when you sacrifice your finances, when you're generous, when you're caring, when you look into someone's eyes as though they really matter to God because they do and they really matter to you because they should, that's a supernatural love. See, when we live a Holy Spirit-empowered life, we are a witness that God is who he says he is. I can't tell you how many times people have said, I'm getting a glimpse of God by the way your church serves. I ran to a parent this week who said her eighth grade son was at VMS. He's graduating on his way to Cabrillo next year. And she said, my son came home and said, your church was there on their campus. He didn't know if he was allowed one hamburger or two, so he had three. He had multiple snow cones and cotton candy. He came home bouncing off the walls. I said, good. We sugar them up and we give them back. But she had, folks, she had tears in her eyes. She said he couldn't stop talking about the church at his school. And we don't go to church. Folks, it's just a holy setup. I'm hoping every time that kid has any amount of sugar, he remembers and brings up church. You see, when I tell people in the community, hey, here's what I tell people. Hey, when you see me, don't think of church. Because I have people that go, oh, pastor, I haven't been to church in months. You know, I shouldn't go to church. I tell people this. When you see me, don't think of church. But when you think of church, come see me. Oh, good. Some of you are going to use that for your business, right? Right, great, great. See, our lives are to tell the world that no sin is too dark, that no fear is too great, that no life is too far out of reach, because God is still making all things new. If we only knew how much God wanted to use us. And by the way, I, I say this a lot around here, you may be the only answer to someone's prayer, but you've got to go to them to be that answer. You've got to first be 
sent by Jesus. And by the way, here's the command. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And the command is receive the Holy Spirit. It's not optional. If I had another hour, I would talk to you about the fact it's not optional. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then he commands you to receive the Holy Spirit. John 21, with the breath that he breathed on them, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is an active word. It's not sit back in your lounger and wait for him to come. You must lean into, you must contend for, you must pray, and you must ask and invite the Holy Spirit. I need you, God the Father. I need you, God the Son. And I need you, Holy Spirit, to fill me. I can't do what you've called me to do without you. Now, if you want to just be saved, live your life, occupy till he comes, die and go to heaven, you have that option. But who would want that to be their life? Well, I came into my life, Lord. I believed in you. I received you at Camp Cedar Crest or Hume Lake, and you're in my life, and I've got my fire insurance. I'm not going to burn right? I'm going to live with you for eternity. And, and, and I went to church on Sunday and, 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 and now I'm dying. I'm going to heaven. I don't want to stand before God. I'm sorry. I don't want to stand before God and have him say, yeah, you did a good job. You were a pastor. You got paid to be a pastor. It was a good job you did. I want him to say there are people in heaven today because of what you did. I want to be able to say there are people who didn't have they were poor, but you helped them. They were, they were widows, and you served them. They were, they were on their last leg, or they were going through a time of, of heartache or hardship, or they just lost a friend or a loved one, and you, you put an arm around them. You prayed for them. You brought me, Jesus, into this situation. You, 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 you had a church that just didn't live inside the walls of the church. It made a difference outside the walls of the church. I'm just going to give you my hidden agenda. I don't want to just have a church where people come to the church and Hang out and go home. Come back seven days later. I want, want you to be mobilized to be the body of Christ out in the church, out in the world, out in the community, in the schools where you live, in the neighborhoods where you live, where you look in people's eyes and you articulate to them that Jesus Christ is real and God is real. That's receiving the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.4, he says, on that occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Wait for the gift. Wait. It means to trust. You can write it down, to trust. To trust that I'm not self-sufficient and self-contained. I need God's power to do what I do. What would your job look like? What would your family look like? What would your neighborhood look like if you constantly said, God, I can't do this today without you? So I want you to fill me. I'm going to listen to your whisper. I'm going to follow the impulses. As long as they're good, I'm going to follow them. I had somebody pray to me recently, uh, asked me recently, he said, I, I keep feeling like I should go to my neighbor and serve them. Do, do you think that might be God? I said, the devil doesn't tell you to do good stuff. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't tell you to do good stuff at all. Your flesh will not, not say, well, I'm just going to be generous. Woo! Your flesh doesn't want to be generous. Your flesh is selfish. So whenever there's an impulse of goodness, just go do the good and ask God to bless it. I would, I would bet you every time you get that impulse or that whisper, it is God. And the Lord's telling me to help this, this lady. She's a single mom with four kids. And you think that could be Jesus? Are you kidding me? He's the one that said, let the kids come to me. 
He's all about kids. He's all about the next generation. Okay, I'm taking too long. It takes humility. It takes humility. We, we have to give up the illusion of control. I say illusion because while some of us think we have it, ultimately, of course, we really don't have control. It is God that's in control, and I want his control to fill my life and to move my life in such a way that I am an asset to the kingdom and I bring people to know Christ. It takes hope. It takes hope. William Carey said years ago, we need to expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. He said most Christians are living way below their ability and their potential. We know a Christ. We know his word. We know his spirit. We need to expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. And lastly, it takes a desire to be used by God. He's not going to fill you if he knows he can't use you. He's not going to fill your tank if all you're going to do is get a bigger tank. He doesn't want you to be a reservoir. He wants you to be a channel, a channel of his blessing and of his grace. He's able to empower you. Acts 1a, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The day of Pentecost, Acts 2, 1 to 4. There they are. They finally got out of their John 20 little locked in room. They're having a prayer meeting, Pentecost, 50 days after Easter. The day of Pentecost, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of the violent wind. And I wonder how many of them said, that wind reminds me of Jesus blowing out of us in that dark room. That wind, it reminds me of the story of Ezekiel. That wind, it reminds me of Adam being blown upon and life coming upon him. And the wind came from, from it came from heaven. It wasn't something that, you know, KSBY could have predicted. It was, it was from heaven. It blew in from heaven like a violent wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. It's just so cool. They're speaking in languages they never spoke before. Well, pastor, that can't happen. Stop limiting God. What can God do with you? How can God use you? And what they were doing is they were speaking the praises of God in other languages. And people outside said, these guys must be drunk. Somebody else said, no, no, it's the afternoon. People don't drink in the afternoon. At least there they didn't. <laughs> they connected the wind with the breath of God, the promise of God, received the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 reminds us that the gifts are not ours. They belong to God. People say, well, I have the gift of healing. No, you don't. I have the gift of faith. No, you don't. I have the gift of prophecy. No, you don't. God has those gifts and allows you to use them. They're not gifts that should be put on display like a trophy. <clears throat> Come over to my house. I'll show you my gifts. They're all lined up, right? No, it's God allows us in any moment. I, you know, I prayed for people and they've gotten healed. And a young girl here years ago, nine years of age, she had lung cancer. Her lungs were black. Stage four and a half, almost stage five. 
They gave her six months or a year to live max. And she had a dream in the night that if I prayed for her, she'd get healed. Are you kidding me? She came to church that morning and said, Pastor, God gave me a dream. I said, well, let's talk after church. She says, no, we're talking now. She's nine years old. He said, after you're done preaching this morning, I want you to pray for me. Oh, 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 okay. Her mom said, it's bad. The doctor's UCLA Medical Center says there's no hope. It would be a waste to put her on chemo. A waste of time. So we got ready to pray for her. And all I could hear was, she wants me to be her healer. And I heard the whisper from the Lord say, I own healing, not you. I said, good, then you better show up. <laughs> and I got ready to pray for her. I, I took the oil and made the sign of the cross because in the dream she, she saw oil and, and she goes, no, pastor, the whole bottle. So I poured the whole bottle on her head. Bottle of olive oil, E-V-O-O. It's like that. Yeah, Rachel Ray, E-V-O-O. And I poured it all over her head. And I got anybody that had a modicum of faith, come and join me. And we laid hands on her. And uh, two days later, they went to UCLA Medical Center. They couldn't find anything at all. Nothing, nothing dark. Now, let me just say this. No one in her home smoked. No secondhand smoke. They didn't even barbecue much except for a gas grill, not a wood fire. So she never breathed smoke. Who, who knew how she ever got lung cancer? It's just beyond my imagination. And I remember... Um, feeling for about 30 minutes like I should start advertising. <laughs> Come to Foursquare, perpetual healing here. I did, I, 30 minutes, man. And it dawned on me of all the people I prayed for that didn't get healed. And all the times I prayed for people that were sick and I got sick. I thought, no, I'm not that stupid. But I, I did say this, would you help me in the future to receive your Holy Spirit so if somebody else comes up with a need that you would flow through me as your messenger and just simply take the gifts that you have available to me, whether it's tongues or interpretation or wisdom or knowledge or deliverance or healing or faith, that I could speak that to someone else or prophecy, that I could just be a conduit of your blessing. It's not a scary thing. If you were here at men's uh, gathering, you heard Billy Calder would talk about the fact that we're just messengers and some of you were here. Guys, you saw the beef jerky illustration. That was phenomenal. We just passed out beef jerky to people who were in need and those, those jerkies represented the gifts of God that all we are are messengers. All we are are messengers of the Lord. I still remember when I got that little girl, and some of you have heard this story. Sorry for telling it so often, but I still remember when I got that little girl's invitation to her graduation in Arkansas, high school graduation. A nine-year-old girl, people talk about remission and cancer can come back. I don't understand God. I understand the human condition. I don't understand much about, about the body, but I did know this. <clears throat> From nine, nine years old to being a senior, I got her invitation for graduation. But that wasn't the, the cherry on top. When I got her wedding invitation, and then I got the announcement that she had two, two kids that were born healthy and whole, I thought, gee, God, you really did something that day. What was it? Oh, it was Pastor B. No, a little girl had a dream. She had faith. And she came forward with her faith, and the Holy Spirit showed up. And in that moment, in that little circle, we just received the Holy Spirit, and he did what only he can do. Only he can do. 
2 Corinthians 4, 7, and I'm ready to go if you can write fast. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show us that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. I want you to remember this. We have a treasure inside of us, Christ in us, the hope of glory, the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. It's the power that is from God, not from us. By the way, it says that we're jars of clay. In other words, we're just cracked pots. I felt bad because in the first service, the Potts family was here. <laughs> he stopped me outside. Yeah, we're cracked pots. Thanks a lot, Pastor. I appreciate that. Listen, it's not your power. But you are a pot. You are a container that can hold the power of God's truth and God's grace and God's love and God's spirit. The gifts are from God and belong to God. We're just simply called to be witnesses and his messengers. We deliver the goods that God gives us. Here's my challenge for you. Wherever you go, that's where Jesus wants to be. Make sure as you go this week, you constantly recognize that Jesus is with you. If you know him as Savior, he goes with you. If you don't know him as Savior, the Holy Spirit's hovering over you to save you to redeem you. In your chaos, the Holy Spirit's hovering over you. In your fear, Jesus walks in your midst and says, peace be with you. Thank you, Lord, for your peace. I like it. It feels good. Oh, now I'm sending you out. <laughs> he blesses them so he can send them. He empowers them and comforts them so he can send them. He's sending you out this week. I would love to hear your stories. Please email us. Let us know what's happening, what you're doing, how you're ministering to people, how you're coming alongside people, we'd love to know. We could share that story with you, even not use your name if you're embarrassed. But, but we've got to tell the stories of what God's doing in our community through you and through your life, how he wants to use you and empower you. And every day, here's the challenge, please, when you wake up in the morning, say, God, thank you for this day. And Holy Spirit, I receive you. Jesus would never say, receive the Holy Spirit if God wasn't sending him to you. In other words, you don't have to motivate heaven to give you the Holy Spirit. You just have to lean in and open your heart to receive him. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.